This is Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi, sponsored by St. Francis Hospital, Ratchford Eye Center, Hartford Healthcare, MD Advantage, and UConn Health Orthopedic and Sports Medicine. Healthy Rounds provides general information regarding medical conditions and diseases. The information is not intended to create a doctor-patient relationship. You are encouraged to consult your own medical provider for advice that applies to your own medical care. And now, Dr. Anthony Alessi on WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com. Welcome to Healthy Rounds, the show that provides you with up-to-date medical information and answers all of your health questions. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and it's great to be with you for this 111th consecutive program since beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. And it's been a great holiday weekend, I'm sure, for many and a good opportunity to get together with family. But as always, we need to stress the importance of being aware that the COVID virus is still here, and we are now being faced with what's called the triple-demic of COVID, RSV, and influenza. Now, we've always known that influenza, I remember even as a child, that around the holidays, people started getting sick. And that's always been the case. Um, Influenza was the seasonal virus that you would see. And we didn't have a way of avoiding it. We didn't have vaccines as we do now for all of these things. People are still getting together. And unfortunately, at least one-fifth of the American population has not been vaccinated against COVID. I, I just looked at that number and was shocked um, that it was that much, and even many fewer have not gotten the latest boosters. On top of that, many people have stopped wearing masks. Uh, Over the holiday, I got to spend some time in New York and in New York City in Manhattan. Uh, It was was interesting um, that many people were not wearing masks indoors. Uh, Actually, we saw some people actually wearing them outdoors, and on... (laughs) To be perfectly frank, it's pretty nice wearing it outdoors if it's windy out. Um, But nevertheless, we have a way of avoiding this. And people are not taking advantage of it. So we're going to see, you're going to be hearing articles. You've heard it on this station. We're going to start seeing more and more cases. Uh, Nationally, uh, we average about 39,300 a day as of last week. But that's such a low number. Even the number I use here, like this week, our COVID positivity rate is 7%. But that doesn't count the home test, the rapid test. By the way, they actually do rapid tests in tents on the streets of New York. If you're walking around Manhattan, you could stop and get a rapid test in 15 minutes, which is important because we need to keep testing. We've said this from the beginning of the pandemic, that unless we know where the virus is and who has it, we're not going to get anywhere and won't know how to avoid it. So we need to be really mindful of many of the things we could do to avoid it. Dr. Peter Hotez, who's the co-director of the Center for Vaccine Development at Texas Children's Hospital and has been a guest on our program. He's from West Hartford. And in an article I read, I mean, he just said, Getting the booster, if you're eligible, is the most impactful thing you can do to avoid becoming ill and urges people to continue testing and take preventive measures such as wearing a mask in a crowd 
and stay home when you're sick. Don't feel like you're forced to go to work. The other thing we're starting to see is a resurgence of measles. Uh, because of COVID, many people avoided having their children vaccinated. Um, we said that about 25 million children didn't receive their first dose of the measles vaccine, while an additional 14.7 million children missed their second dose. Measles is life-threatening and on the verge of a comeback. Now, much of this comeback is in unvaccinated young children in developing countries, as opposed to the United States. But it accounts for uh, 9 million cases a year and 128,000 deaths globally just last year. Now, that's up from 7.5 million um, in 2020. The person who discovered the virus I thought was very interesting, Dr. Samuel Katz, who died recently. And Dr. Katz uh, was at Harvard Medical School in 1955 when he decided he wanted to do something because he saw the ravages of polio. And he was the principal person who, alongside with other scientists, developed the vaccine. What's interesting is he went to Nigeria to test it uh, because uh, that is where it had the most devastating losses. And when he got there, he found that the virus was so deadly that parents told him, you don't count your children until the measles has passed. That's how deadly this virus is, that we've come to just shirk off. And uh, it was interesting because he also gave testimony at a House hearing in 1999. Even as old as he was, he remained active and just said, most young parents cannot appreciate, fortunately, as I do, the horror of polio with iron lungs and crutches. One simple fact cannot be reasonably disputed. The benefits of immunizations far outweigh the possible risks. Get immunized. Figure it out. That's the way we're going to beat these infectious diseases that are ravaging the country. Uh, today, my guest, I've been looking forward to my guest a great deal. Today, it's going to be uh, Dr. James Carden, who's the Executive Vice President and Chief Clinical Integration Officer for Hartford HealthCare. But he's here today to talk to us as in his role as the Chief Executive Officer for Integrated Care Partners. Now, Care Partners, as you have seen, I'm sure, uh, the ads on TV and on the radio, um, is a Medicare Advantage program that was developed locally. So it, uh, I'm really hopeful that he could give us some insight into the whole Medicare Advantage, because it's confusing, right? When you see all these ads, I mean, these ads are second only to uh, political ads. And that's because there's a limited sign-up period that goes till December 7th to opt in for Medicare Advantage. So I have a lot of questions for him and questions that patients have asked me about Medicare Advantage. Uh, this day in medicine, November 26th, 1853, Dr. William Murrell was born. Dr. Murrell was a cardiologist, so apropos to um, our guest today, Dr. Cardin, um, who is a cardiologist, a practicing cardiologist. But Dr. Murrell was an English physician 
who was the first to recognize the benefits of nitroglycerin for angina and published a paper in 1879. And as we know, nitroglycerin, we always think of it as an explosive, um, but in the medical world, it is a nitrate that dilates cardiac blood vessels and arteries, in particular, to account for increased cardiac demand. So if someone is having what we best term a heart attack, where their heart cannot get enough oxygen to meet the demand, and they develop an area of ischemia or dead heart, the nitroglycerin dilates those vessels. Uh, I always enjoy doing stories about something like that because here he is. He was born in 1853, and we are still using it today. Uh, many people remember you, you put the little small tablet under your tongue, um, which people still use, but there are patches, uh, nasal sprays, and other ways of administering nitroglycerin. So we remember Dr. Merle's um, ability and what he gave us in the world of medicine. Uh, talking about infectious diseases and things, uh, the children in Haiti, uh, a report just came out this week from UNICEF that uh, children in Haiti are, are dying rapidly from what has become another cholera outbreak. Now, as you remember, and I know people who listen to this program regularly are familiar with the fact that I spent time in Haiti and was there in 2011 a year after the earthquake when we had to deal with cholera. Cholera is a devastating gastrointestinal infection that dehydrates people until they die. So far, since October, there have been 216 deaths in Haiti. 40% of these are children, right? So you can understand if there's dehydration, if you're small like a baby, it's going to affect you sooner and be more devastating. And this has really happened more in areas of Haiti where there's so much starvation uh, in, uh, throughout the country due to, uh, I don't even know what to call it. I wouldn't call it a revolution. It's just anarchy that's going on in the country right now. We even think these numbers are underreported in terms of the number of deaths from cholera. So um, I ask uh, all our listeners to remember these uh, children who are suffering uh, from cholera right now in Haiti, a, a disease that was never in Haiti until after the earthquake when it was found that a group of uh, UN soldiers uh, from Nepal actually brought it to Haiti when they were uh, emptying their latrines in what was used as clean drinking water. So we remember them uh, today and during this holiday season. We're going to take a short break. So we're going to be back to talk about a few uh, topics that I really wanted to get on, uh, talk about some new applications for telemedicine and some new guidance regarding the use of hydration. And do you really need to drink eight glasses of water a day? You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony. Great to be with you this Saturday morning. Uh, one of the topics I wanted to uh, really chat about was hydration. There have been some new guidance coming out, and uh, I guess new to the rest of the world, but not to listeners of this show. I, I can't remember who it was. It was several years ago we had on a nephrologist, and we talked about kidney disease and really the importance of hydration. And 
here's the one, because we hear all these rules. You need to drink eight, eight-ounce glasses of water a day, um, these basic rules. And sometimes these rules just don't apply to everybody, right? Because a lot depends on, you know, your level of activity. If you're really active, um, if it's hot out, um, your metabolism, uh, you may require more or less water uh, than they say in the rule. And especially if you live in a warm area like the South. So there's really no hard rule. So they're basically saying that that the amount of water you need is variable. It's important to stay well hydrated. And there are two things that direct that. First of all, if you're thirsty, right, that's the thing that the nephrologist brought you brought to our attention was you know that you're behind in fluid that you need to start taking in fluid. But even before that, one of the things we see in with athletes and in training rooms all over the country, when, when you go into the bathroom, there are posters there uh, with the designated color that your urine should be. So what you really want it to be is a very pale yellow urine. Uh, and that will tell that you're adequately hydrated. And then it, there are varying degrees of it getting darker. You know, if it's a clearly an amber color, you're behind in fluid and need to start taking in more fluid. Now, that's important because you want to keep your renal function working in addition to your blood pressure. I mean, it impacts so many things, that hydration. Anybody knows is as you become dehydrated, you start getting dizzy, lightheaded, you almost feel flu-like because when you have the flu, right, that's often the case where you become dehydrated from loss of fluid, either from vomiting or from diarrhea. So that flu-like feeling you have to avoid. So that is really the new rule. It's kind of funny because I, I see people at work uh, coming in and they have these huge containers of water and I always... You know, I know it's a diet thing and it helps people. It feels that it takes away their appetite so they can lose weight. But I was amused by the fact that uh, there is a water bottle now that costs $50. And it's like a status symbol. If you have this water container on your desk, um, this is a new status symbol. So um, with that, um, if you're into that, you may want to research that water container. Uh, telemedicine. Uh, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the program. And telemedicine being how you can administer care and advice to a patient, either by video or strictly by telephone. Well, we've been making telephone calls for a long time uh, to help give patients advice. But with the advent of video, uh, we're able to do much more in terms of examination and recommendation to patients. So during the pandemic, what we did was really go to all-out telemedicine. And it finally pushed something that we've known about to the forefront, to the point where insurance companies were not paying anything for it, that they were paying for a regular visit if you did it by telemedicine and achieve certain criteria that were available in terms of time and the manner in which you administered the telemedicine. So uh, Medicare 
everybody usually follows Medicare reimbursement. And one of the problems right now is in Congress, um, they tend to kick the can down the road in terms of creating some permanent policy. So right now in June of 2023, the current bill that allows for payment for providers, physicians and nurses to be reimbursed for this type of care um, is set to expire. Um, so they're recommending now a two-year extension because it's really increased access. I mean, that's what we really want to do here is keep people healthy and increase their access and ability to get medical care. So especially if, if pers- it's really hard for someone to do it in person, um, they're debilitated in a wheelchair. Um, you have to try to get uh, an ambulette to come to the house. Uh, these these are important things. Now, you still it doesn't take the place of an in-person visit from the standpoint of a new patient assessment or something of that nature. But a lot of times you're following up with the patient and can easily do this by video. Uh, I was happy to see that Connecticut and Massachusetts Uh, To my knowledge, are the only two states that have already passed a two-year extension. And the rest of the country, and Congress is recommending that they follow the lead of Connecticut and Massachusetts that have already extended payment and access for this. So it's something we're going to continue to watch. Now, another application of telemedicine just came to really my attention. And that was something we talked about on the show just several weeks ago with Dr. Mark Alberts from Hartford Healthcare. And we talked about mobile stroke units, the MSU. These mobile stroke units are basically ambulances that have a CT scan and all the medications to start a clot buster medication for someone having a stroke. Because as time is the key when having a stroke. The sooner you can attack this and uh, interrupt the process of a stroke, the better off you are. So in Australia, where these uh, mobile stroke units are pretty common, uh, they have uh, done a study where they looked at pre-hospital telestroke versus paramedic scores. So they have a score that paramedics have to try and decide if someone would benefit from reperfusion. Now, as opposed to using a clot buster, reperfusion is where they snake a wire into the blood vessel and fish out the clot. The key thing here is what we call door-to-needle time. From the time the person hits the door of the emergency room and gets to the suite where they can retrieve that clot. So what they did was they compared having a stroke neurologist uh, attend via video into the ambulance to help decide whether or not they could do reperfusion as opposed to a score that was designed for the paramedic to use. And what they found was that the pre-hospital telestroke with a fellowship-trained neurologist was much more accurate in hyperacute stroke. So 
obviously it doesn't take the, away the role of the paramedic, which is absolutely crucial in recognizing someone has had a stroke. Uh, but the question of reperfusion and getting someone to the suite and not having longstanding deficit was true. So it's another application of telestroke um, that we will follow. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be back with my guest, Dr. James Carden, Dr. Carden being the Executive VP and Chief Clinical Integration Officer for Hartford HealthCare. He's the CEO of Integrated Care Partners. What's great about Jim Carden is he's a cardiologist, and so he's in touch with physicians who are in practice who have to be part of these plans. A lot of times the, the leaders of these plans are administrators who really don't know what it's like to sit with a patient. Um, so that's why uh, I really respect what he's doing. So he's going to be here to talk to us about Care Partners of Connecticut and its Medicare Advantage program and Medicare Advantage programs in general. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and it's great to have as my guest today Dr. James Carden. As I mentioned, uh, he is the CEO of Integrated Care Partners, and uh, more importantly, he is a practicing cardiologist, uh, as well as being CEO of uh, Care Partners of Connecticut, which is a Medicare Advantage program. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dr. Good to be here. So can you bring our listeners up to speed in what is a Medicare Advantage program as opposed to standard Medicare? Uh, sure. Uh, and and uh, to understand Medicare Advantage, uh, as you're uh, uh, alluding to, it's really important to understand what traditional Medicare is. So Perfect. traditional Medicare is offered, offered by uh, uh, CMS, uh, Centers for Medicaid and, and Medicare. Um, and it's a program that when you are eligible, uh, usually when you turn 65 uh, in the U.S., you uh, have access to two insurance plans that are offered strictly, uh, strictly from the government. And the first part is called Part A, and that covers your hospitalizations. Um, uh, and that uh, does not require you to pay any premium for it. Part B, which is the other one you get, uh, is to, uh, to sort of cover all uh, uh, professional services. This is doctor visits and other ambulatory services. For that, um, you do pay a premium that is income adjusted. There's two big gaps uh, that uh, exist in traditional Medicare in terms of patients' financial exposure. One, traditional Medicare uh, requires that you share 20% of any bill that's submitted. So if you're in the hospital and you're, you have a $200 uh, uh, you know, bill, uh, you would have to pay 20% of that. And that's true for both any hospital services as well as uh, when you see doctors in the office. The second piece, is it doesn't include any benefits for covering your medications. So pharmacy benefit is not included. And what Medicare Advantage does is it fills those gaps in. So you still get Part A, uh, the hospital facility part from Medicare, and Part B uh, that comes for the professional. But it wraps around services that covers 20% of the cost share at the front end so that it minimizes the amount of out-of-pocket spend you have and includes 
pharmacy benefit in that as well. It usually also includes some other enticing uh, benefits so that they will often cover dental and hearing and, and, uh, and visual kind of uh, uh, services as well. Uh, and it's important to look at each plan in terms of how those benefits are all constructed. Most times, importantly, uh, uh, you don't have to pay a premium to get a Medicare Advantage plan. They all have a zero premium plan, and then you can buy extra benefits by paying additional premiums if you'd like. Jim, so if someone has just Medicare Part A, okay, say um, uh, they just have A, right, um, if they're hospitalized, they still have to pay 20% of the total cost of the hospitalization? Yes. That's correct. So, so uh, you know, so and you need can some see other insurance. how that can, that can get very expensive. Yeah. So is that why p- people buy supplemental insurance? Exactly. Uh, so the other way you can, uh, can fill in both of the gaps uh, between uh, the 20% cost share, what I'll call in pharmacy, is to buy additional insurance plans. And these are supplemental insurance plans. All of the commercial payers uh, uh, provide them. And for a premium, they reduce that that uh, cost share. Many people think about it as their secondary insurance kind of uh, way they talk about it. And then you can also go out and purchase a, a Part D plan. That also will cost you a premium. So uh, to supplement uh, uh, traditional Medicare Part A, the professional services, these other two uh, insurance pieces you can buy and also pay a premium. But that can get expensive for many patients when you're paying sure. premium for the supplemental the pharmacy benefit, as well as the Part B component to the professional services. So, Jim, why doesn't everybody sign up for an Advantage program? There's got to be some downside to it. Yeah, uh, I think that um, uh, a couple things. Uh, uh, one, um, it, that anything, uh, the Medicare Advantage plans do cover everything Medicare traditionally does. Uh, but they, uh, the point is, is that the Medicare Advantage plan also is trying to control the cost and drive up quality. So Medicare Advantage plans really want to perform and demonstrate they have very high quality with the, uh, from the clinicians who are participating with the plan for the patients who sign up and help manage the overall cost. And that's why CMS is willing to work with these commercial payers to try and do that. They feel that the uh, quality is better and the cost is lower. What usually the trade-off there is, is the network may not be as broad. And what we hear over and over again is, uh, is I can't go anywhere I want to go on a Medicare Advantage plan. I have to use the Medicare Advantage uh, doctors and hospitals that are, that are participating in the plan that I choose. Uh, and so that, that, that sense of, of I'm more restricted from where I can get care is always somewhat of a concern. There are also restrictions with regular Medicare, aren't there? I mean, there are some physicians hard to believe, but we've come to the point where some physicians don't accept Medicare. Yeah, it's, it is a small number, but you're absolutely right. Uh, they don't. Uh, and uh, the, the Medicare, uh, you know, if you're a participating provider, you're agreeing uh, uh, and uh, as you and I, uh, you know, sign up and, and participate in Medicare, we agreed to get paid what Medicare determines that we're going to get paid to provide services that they determine. Uh, there are some services that Medicaid also does not cover, deems experimental or is not covered uh, uh, by certain plans. But it's a pretty broad. So most of the care uh, in traditional Medicare uh, that, that uh, seniors are going to want will be there and will be covered. It's just, again, you want to make sure you're covering that 20% cost share because that's where people get in trouble. Sure. 
Um, let me just go back since you brought up the network question. So what happens for somebody who, say, signs up for a, a, a Medicare Advantage program, but they travel, right? A lot of people, when they get older, they're going to spend six months in Arizona or something of that nature. Um, how do you back up the network from that standpoint? So there's two important things. One, if you have an emergency, so if you get sick and you yeah. go into a hospital or you go to see a clinician because you're having an emergency, whether that, whether that provider, that hospital, is actually in the network doesn't matter. Uh, and you will get, you'll get your services covered in the plan, will cover the cost of that. So any emergencies that happen anywhere in the United States uh, will be covered. And so uh, if you're in a Medicare Advantage plan, you never have to worry about that. It's the elective pieces that, uh, that you, uh, you want to pay attention to. Most of the plans uh, uh, will have uh, a, their preferred network, if you will. These are the clinicians that they are that serve the core of their members, but will have a, a existing secondary network that you can still access if you're traveling. So, so most of the large payers um, uh, uh, have uh, plans in other states uh, across the country so that you can, you can still access a fairly broad network. But it may not be every clinician. So it's always important now when you're choosing a plan uh, to look at who are the doctors that you're seeing and, and whether they're participating in the plan. A second component is really going through your prescriptions because they are also going to be somewhat constrained. Not every prescription is covered at the same benefit level. So you also want to sit down and go through these are my medications. Are they all covered or do, am I going to have more co-pays and the like for some of the medicines that I'm on? So some homework uh, uh, is worthwhile to do. You can get that information either online or working with brokers. Uh, or the plans directly will often have uh, folks that will walk you through and take a look to make sure you're getting the plan you want, depending on if you're traveling, who your doctors are, and, uh, and what medicines you're on. Uh, you mentioned, so if someone is somewhere in the country, but I, I recently had a patient who had an accident in Bermuda, okay, so... People travel. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. They got a bill. I mean, yeah. so um, is that, do these not cover international travel or things like that? Correct. And that's very plan specific. Uh, okay. Care Partners, the Medicare Advantage plan that um, uh, uh, Harvard Healthcare and uh, Point 32 Health, formerly Tufts Health Plan, developed. Uh, does extend uh, coverage to even uh, uh, overseas and in other countries. Some of the plans do, some of the plans don't, uh, and that's an important consideration for people to uh, to recognize. Wow, that sure is, um, because so many people are doing so much travel these days. Yeah. Um, why are we in this? So we're in this enrollment period, uh, and uh, we've seen all the ads, uh, and What's the advantage for a company to go into a Medicare Advantage program? Why, uh, why did you folks develop Care Partners? What was the driving force behind that? Yeah. Uh, so uh, as we look at uh, our uh, goal of really uh, improving quality and uh, making care affordable, uh, which is a real priority in our eyes, uh, uh, Ensuring uh, that we could uh, find a path and a partner, because the payer plays such an important role in care, uh, they are not uh, bystanders to that. Uh, and we wanted to ensure 
that we had good alignment between the plan uh, and the providers to ensure that we could provide timely access for patients, remove a lot of the uh, uh, waiting periods and approval processes and other things that can be so frustrating for everybody, as well as decrease some of the administrative burdens to our clinicians. Uh, when we partner together and realize we're going to work collaboratively to really uh, uh, measure and manage the quality of the care we're delivering, this is making sure patients' diabetes is under control, that their blood pressures are, are, are under control, that they're getting the appropriate colonoscopy and other screenings. Uh, when we work collaboratively in that, uh, we think that the patients will remain healthier. Uh, they won't end up in the hospital in the emergency department as often uh, and won't require uh, as much expensive care because they are remaining healthier, uh, that this is a way for us to uh, uh, find a path uh, to be uh, financially stable doing that as we move it forward uh, and to really leverage both what the plans do well and a provider does well to really get to be uh, better care uh, for the patients. Uh, talking, staying on the topic of care partners, I guess I didn't realize, so um, you're uh, aligned with Tufts uh, system. So, it, what, you have, for, so yeah, when I think of care partners, I think, okay, you just go to one of Hartford Hospital or one of the Hartford Hospital affiliates, but it seems like you have a much broader network. Yes, uh, we do. Uh, so uh, when we went down this path, uh, we recognized as, as Hartford HealthCare that we couldn't, uh, we weren't an insurance company and, and uh, we weren't going to be an insurance company. We needed a, a, a partner to do that. And uh, Tufts Health Plan at the time, now called Point 32 Health, uh, uh, was a uh, well-established a premier uh, Medicare Advantage plan that was in Massachusetts. They had been, the health plans are rated on one to five stars. They had been five stars multiple times, which means both patient quality and plan performance was exceptional. One of very few programs in the country that did that. And they uh, agreed to partner with us and we jointly owned and developed care partners for the, uh, for, to achieve the goals that we talked about before. Uh, so that uh, what we uh, uh, really wanted to make sure that we could do is bring a very competent plan that would uh, enable us to, to be successful as we move forward. So Tufts Health Plan, now Point 32 Health, remains our, our joint venture partner in this care partners plan. It is broader than just Hartford Healthcare. Our intention was not necessarily to just build this around uh, Hartford Healthcare's providers and, and facilities, but to uh, align with any providers in the state that aspire to do what we were trying to do and to invest the time and energy to work with a plan that could really uh, allow uh, clinicians uh, to maintain a good deal of the control for the patients that they were uh, taking care of. Uh, and so that that network is broad. It involves uh, other hospital systems, uh, other providers that are not, uh, you know, uh, formally, uh, you know, under Hartford HealthCare's uh, banner. Why is there such a limited enrollment period? So we're going through this enrollment period from, I think, was the beginning of November or October, or end of October. Uh, or maybe I think it was beginning of October, actually, till December yeah, 7th. mid-October till December 7th. Okay. Uh, why is there a limited period of time for people to sign up? So there's two times when you can sign up for a Medicare Advantage plan. One, when you turn 65, you can choose a plan any time of year. But the annual election period, the period you're referring to, Tony, is really important. It's a time for when 
uh, uh, members can switch plans. It's very important for the plan, which which runs itself on an annual basis. So it's January 1 through December 31st that the plan performance is held accountable for, both in terms of uh, the cost uh, that they spend, all the care that's delivered, and the quality that they're rated on. So we need to know as we get started in January 1 who our members are. Over the course of the year, there'll be some people that are joining, but you can't wholesale switch from one plan to another uh, except during the annual election period, and there's a period in the early part of, of uh, after January where they allow you to switch once. If you find you signed up with a plan that you don't like, you can make one change. Uh, but that allows uh, the plans to really uh, continue to be able to be identify who are our members, who, how are we going to care for them, uh, and keep track of them over the course of that year. So, uh, you know, if that were just happening all the time, you'd have constant in and out of the, everybody's plan membership sure. that could cause confusion. Sure. I, I remember when, uh, you know, it, these Advantage programs first started. I think it was Oxford at the time. And they had they would sign people up at, like, bowling alleys or <laughs> diners, okay? So they knew that they were going to get active, healthy people, right, because they had to be able to at least drive to the diner, okay? Or they were at a bowling alley or some other athletic <laughs> event, and that's where they would try to sign people up. I haven't seen that lately, so no. um, I guess it all um, evens out. It, it does, and, and it's important to recognize that, you know, CMS uh, – uh, is aware uh, that people who have a lot of chronic illness are going to spend more dollars over the course of the year than somebody who's healthy uh, and doesn't really have any medical problems. And they play the plan, uh, uh, an adjusted premium, depending on, on how sick people are. Uh, and those are identified I by have high blood pressure. Well, it's up to clinicians to document that, Tony. So when you see your clinician uh, every year, uh, if you're enrolled in Medicare or Medicare Advantage, you need to document that uh, uh, the chronic conditions that every patient has so that CMS is aware uh, that these patients have them. Actually, it has to be redone every year, which is a little uh, counterintuitive. You'd think if I had hypertension on December 31st, I'd still have it on January 1, but CMS says, nope, you got to tell us again. And it's up to clinicians uh, to to tell them that. The plans can't make that determination. It does require uh, a clinician to, to let CMS know that this, that uh, Jim Carden has, uh, you know, several chronic conditions. Uh, and that will uh, determine, uh, you know, how much the plan uh, has in their budget to spend on, on that patient, depending on how sick, uh, you know, uh, a Jim Carden could be. What's the biggest challenge to running a program like this? So there's two, I would say. One is, you know, uh, uh, getting the information that clinicians need to have to really make informed decisions around uh, what things cost and, and what the right steps are. You think would be intuitive, but they're not. Uh, clinicians are going to be paying attention to the patient they have in front of them and understanding that they have a whole maybe 100 or 150 patients in a plan uh, that they need to be paying attention to sometimes those people who aren't showing up for their office visit uh, and make sure we get them in and contact them. So it's a different kind of responsibility than most clinicians who were uh, uh, grew up and trained. Uh, you're always, you know, when patients in the office, that's the person you need to uh, pay attention to. But now we're responsible for a bunch of patients who trust us for their care, 
but may not be showing up for an office visit. And so that's one big challenge in getting that data and knowing who they are and what we need to do to engage them uh, and to make sure that their blood pressures are okay and their, their, their diabetes is under good control is a fundamentally different capability than, than you necessarily had when you were just in practice and you, you waited for patients to come in the door. So that's, that's one big piece. Uh, the other thing is, is just the, there's a fair amount of administrative burden to do all the documenting and stuff that I was talking about earlier. Uh, and, and for clinicians, they, they want to, uh, you know, uh, spend time with their patients and, and, and take care of them uh, and not be spending a lot of time, you know, uh, uh, typing in a medical record. So it's, it's making sure that we're really attentive to re- giving the clinicians the time to, that they need to take care of patients. Uh, and not uh, and not uh, get bogged down in the uh, in the paperwork, so to speak. So I'd say those two things are are probably the things, at least from a clinician's perspective, that we pay a lot of attention to and try and sort through. How has Care Partners done? I mean, you've probably benchmarked yourself against other plans, national plans, um, being a more local regional plan. Um, how have you done over the years? It's been a few years now. I don't I don't recall how many now. How, yeah, we're, really... we're, we're, we're headed into four years. Um, okay. uh, uh, the first year really didn't count. It was just sort of getting the, getting the lights turned on. Um, but we've done well. Uh, you know, one of the uh, exciting things is, is that the, uh, every plan uh, gets rated, I said earlier, on a, on a one to five star. And last year, um, uh, our first year that we could be rated, uh, we rated it a four and a half star. There's only 17% of plans uh, ever get to four and a half star within their first five years of existence. Uh, and we, we were able to get in the first year uh, this year. Uh, we've noticed a little bit of a drop off. We're still a four star plan this coming year. Um, that drop off was mainly driven by uh, uh, some, you know, the uh, challenges we're having of patients being able to access care. We all know that's a, a big uh, burden across the country that patients are having trouble getting in to see their their docs and their clinicians, and, and we, we recognize that. And you're, the plan is sort of rated on how easy it is to get to see your doctor. So we've got some focused efforts to really improve that. Uh, but overall, uh, you know, four, four-and-a-half-star plans, we're very, very proud of it. It was a, a lot of work and a lot of interest in why we did this to begin with. We're growing, uh, and uh, the growth is, is not – it doesn't happen quickly. We knew that this plan was a – a long-term investment. We've got about 5,000 members going into this annual election period. We'll see where we end up uh, at the end of it. Uh, but we're excited about uh, the opportunity. Uh, and we continue to uh, to be able to grow the network. Doctors uh, and clinicians uh, uh, want to join the plan because I think we're, we're gradually making some progress in terms of, uh, of uh, being able to give them a different uh, kind of experience than they sometimes had with some of the other plans. You've answered a lot of questions for me, uh, not only that, but as a provider, because we have these business review, uh, business unit reviews. I've, I'd never heard of them until I started working in Hartford Healthcare. And yeah. <laughs> we, the data is unbelievably helpful. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they know how long it takes a patient to get in to see uh, us, uh, how long somebody waits on a telephone for the telephone to be answered. Um, I was so impressed by the amount of data. I mean, I've worked at other institutions, but now I could see why is because yeah. that's really what drives the program. 
you bet. Uh, and it's one that, uh, you know, you, and you're absolutely right for so long, we never had that date. I mean, you knew your schedule was full or whatever, but sure. recognizing how many people need to be seen and how hard people are, are trying to get in. And that gives us an opportunity that when you have the data, we can now manage to it. We can start putting in some mitigation strategies to make sure that patients can get in in a more timely way. Uh, it's a really critical piece uh, to keeping people from getting sick uh, when they when they don't feel well and seeing uh, their clinician when they need to see them. So uh, by having, like you said, all that data available, we can now start to improve ourselves uh, year over year, which is the goal. Uh, Jim, how do people get more information about Care Partners? So uh, on the web, uh, easiest place to go. Uh, there's uh, there's uh, there's that uh, Care Partners uh, uh, listed. Uh, I should have I should have been ready with the number that you can call, but you can also just look up Care Partners of Connecticut, uh, and uh, and they'll uh, um, uh, be a resource. Within Integrated Care Partners, Hartford Healthcare, uh, we have Medicare educators uh, uh, that can also assist. Uh, a good place to go is, is some of the uh, uh, senior care uh, will have uh, folks to help direct you, uh, and then brokers themselves can be an awfully big uh, resource to, uh, to help uh, people navigate as to whether a Medicare Advantage plan is uh, right for them. Jim, thank you. Thank you for your time, and uh, thank you for everything you do to keep everybody healthy in our region. Really appreciate it, buddy. Tony, thanks for having me on, and uh, thanks for doing this. This is uh, uh, important uh, information to get to people. Thank you. Thanks. We're going to take a short break. They're going to be back to wrap up the show. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. Uh, in wrapping up today's show, I want to thank uh, Dr. Jim Carden for coming on the show and explaining a lot that I didn't know about Medicare. Many thanks to our studio producer, Kevin Kors, has been on the board for us today. The phone number for Care Partners is... 888-341-1507. So if you're interested in the Medicare Advantage program, Care Partners, you can call that number or just go to the website. Just put in Care Partners and it comes right up. Until next week, this is Dr. Anthony Alessi. Please stay healthy.